Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? This is episode, you know what? I don't even know what episode it is, but I'm sure my wonderful co-host, Brandon Lee Gowton, will tell me in just a sec. But you're listening to Bleeding Green Nation Radio. Uh, and we're here uh, in a, a little bit melancholy after uh, a loss to the Cardinals, but we're going to get into that and look ahead a little bit on this holiday week. But let's, as I mentioned, say hello to my co-host, the great editor-in-chief, and as John Barchard would say, the F.A. himself, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton. BLG, what's up, brother? 137, James. We're there at it 137. is. 137. I'm, I'm doing all right. Wow. It's, it's, uh, that's wild. Yeah. 137. I remember episode 37. So, <laughs> good times back in the day of PLG. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. All right. So, uh, first and foremost, let's just start by wishing everyone a, a happy and healthy holiday season, whether you're Jewish or, or Catholic or, or whatever. You celebrate Kwanzaa. Uh, we want you to have a happy and wonderful holiday, and we Really, really appreciate all of you listeners out there and all the feedback and all the support you give us. It uh, it means the world. Uh, all right, Brandon, let's jump right in. Obviously, a uh, a disappointing showing on Sunday night, especially coming in with, with high hopes, hoping that we could maybe start to see the progression of this team into, into potentially a contender. Uh, obviously, it didn't really turn out that way on Sunday night. Uh, played, a, played a pretty decent first half, all things considered. Obviously, a, a, a failed fourth and one really seemed to kind of swing the momentum there at the end of the first half, but... What kind of stood out to you from the loss, Brandon? You know, where where do you lay the blame? Does it come down to to not executing, or does it come down to simply just losing to a better team? I think it's completely the Cardinals are just a better team, especially just in comparison to the Eagles. I mean, this is a Arizona team. They've won what you know eight in a row now. Uh, 
they scored 40 points. They almost got 500 yards. They only committed one penalty the whole game. They didn't turn the ball over once. Like, on the other hand, you know, the Eagles turned the ball over three times. The Eagles had a couple penalties. I mean, this is just, it was a, it was a total difference in quality of teams. You know, there's, there's just a different tier when you look at this Eagles team and this Cardinals team. I think, you know, Bruce Arians, for as much as, you know, sometimes we like to joke about him, I mean, he's done a really good job there. I think Steve Keem, the GM over there, uh, a lot of good, a lot of good players in there. David Johnson going off on the Eagles defense. You know, John Brown. You know, they've drafted well. They've added some players in free agency. Mikey Potty. So I mean, they, they've. I think they've just they've put together a really good team out there. Yeah, that's the way I feel too. A, a really, really good team. And and look, you saw it. We. I feel like it's one of those uh, cliches that's just beaten to death, but. Carson Palmer's a really, really good quarterback, and yep. and that plays a large factor in why that team is so good. Uh, you know, just his command of the offense, his command of the game. I mean, you know, that first drive was just just methodical and precision like, and just walking right down the field. And, and obviously, the Eagles D played slightly better the rest of that half, but then you know went to went to crap in the second half again. But I, I think you can really see, especially considering, like you said, when Arians was brought in there at the same time as Chip really and um, you know, just the the stark contrast between the two teams right now and, and Arizona is simply a, a much better football team on both sides of the ball, but ultimately I, I think it just also hammers home the point that until you find your Carson Palmer and and, and that sounds silly to say thinking about, you know, the, the the journey that Carson Palmer has had to get to where he is, but you know, you'd have to say he's one of the, the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, if if not, you know, right after Brady and Cam, at least this season, the way they've played, you know. Um, so it's uh, – they're a really good football team, Brandon, and I think it also highlights kind of how far this Eagles team has to go to really be considered a legit contender. But, uh, you know, speaking of that, before we were going to move on and talk about the fact that the Eagles, while – Technically, I guess still are uh, somewhat of a contender because the NSCE is still up for grabs, which we'll get to in just a second. But uh, you know, before we move on from this game, were there any other takeaways or any other things that stood out to you from the Arizona game? Yeah, the, we have to go back to that fourth and one call because you know I have no problem with Eagles going for that. They absolutely have to go for that. Agreed. But just the way that unfolded was really concerning to me. You know, I, I'm not one of these people who really. Like, you know, it feels like after every loss, we've almost heard, oh, you know, you hear other players from the other team like, oh, you know, Kelly's offense is predictable. We knew what they were going to do the whole time. And it's a little silly that, you know, Patrick Peterson kind of said something like that. He said, you know, well, you know, Philly, whatever they run in the first 15 plays, they're kind of keep going to run the same plays. So you get a good idea of what those first 15 plays are like. And, you know, there's some truth to that. But look, I mean, Arizona allowed, what, like 424 yards, 17 points. And it should have been more if not for multiple turnovers as well. Yes, right. the opportunity for more at least. So it's not like, you know, they literally know every play and they're they're shutting it down and, you know. But but still, I think the you look at that fourth and one call and it was just really disappointing because it, you know, it appeared and Lane Johnson pretty much even said that, you know, the, the Eagles, after the Cardinals took the timeout, you know, they came out. And, well, first of all, let me start. I don't think the Eagles should have took the timeout. Remember, like, back to the Jaguars game yeah. last year where, like, it was fourth and one, and then, boom, they just put Sproles in right away because that's what they are. Just keep moving. I yeah, agree. Yeah, they're a tempo team. Just get in there, run a play really quick, just try to take advantage of any confusion that you might get there. 
But all right. I was shocked by that. Just to yeah. hammer that home, I was really, really surprised they called a timeout there. And even if you do call a timeout, fine. But they didn't. Then the Cardinals call a timeout, and the Eagles didn't adjust. They just did the same play, but the Cardinals did change their defense, and then the, the Cardinals stopped them. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it's it, it, it's it's really upsetting, and it's it's really you know it's a, it's like I said, this isn't just like one time thing. We've heard this refrain way too often. We heard it after the 49ers game last year. Josh Huff said something about it in the Cowboys game from the the first Cowboys game this sure. year. It's just, it's Seattle. really disappointing. Uh, I feel like just, you know, that we keep hearing this and that we, we saw it in a big play in a game like that. Yeah. And I think really just across the board, that fourth and one play, if, if you're going to have complaints about Chip the coach right now, I think those are, that's like endemic of all of it. Just that one play, yes. both in the idea of what you just said about, about, you know, calling the timeout and then not adjusting after Arizona calls a timeout after looking at what you're doing and yep. then calls a timeout. It's like, all right. Do something different, uh, but that, out, that, even outside of that, just the, the going back to the Murray Matthews thing, and I, and and yes. it's frustrating because we we all were excited because it looked like Chip had taken a step forward from this perspective and said, "All right, Demarco Murray is my third or fourth best running back on the team. I'm going to use him that way." And yet, like, and I don't even have a problem with it being Matthews in there on the fourth and one. But, like, if you're ever going to use Murray, use him in that spot. And don't not use him because, you know, you've made this decision to sit him. Use him in the right spots. I mean, if you're going to have the guy on the team, isn't that the one? If you're going to give him, what, do you have two touches? Make that one of his touches. Right. Exactly. Matthews was three for eight on on our third and fourth and short. You know, Murray was like 15 for 15. I mean, he might have not gotten it still, but like, why not go with the guy who was perfect versus the guy who was, you know, less than perfect? Exactly. It, it's shocking to me, and I and I do like. I think I said this on, on the Sunday show on the Fanatic that I I do like Matthews in short yardage short yardage sure. situations. I think he hits the crease pretty well. I, I just thought that that play and and you know I think it goes back to what you were saying about Arizona basically being ready for it because that play had no chance from the jump. Matthews got the ball, was pounded in the backfield, and that was the end of the play. Yep. And and on top of that, too, just the the continuous – it's just frustrating in a situation like that. And we had talked about this also on The Fanatic on Sunday morning, that you didn't see any creativity there. You didn't see Chip pull something out of the, you know, the deep – deepest part of the basket like you didn't go in and say all right fourth and 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 one you know in in arizona territory you know pull out a little like you know flea flicker not flea flicker but i'm sorry i meant to say like a, a little play <laughs> action or something like- roll bradford do something different like do something that the defense is not expecting and we just didn't see that really at any point in the game much less on that on that huge call yeah it was in again i don't want to nick i hate nitpicking you know certain plays yeah but it's not about that. I mean, oh, it was a big play in the game because I mean, it that. was one of the. Yeah. I think you could argue in terms yeah. of momentum and the way the game played out. It Agreed. it might have been the biggest play in hindsight, at least. And you know, they might have tied. Who knows? But still, I mean, I don't think you know that's just one play. And and you know, there's a lot of plays in the game, so it's hard to nitpick things too hard. But again, I think we both hit, even said this here. It's more. It's not so much about the play, just the play. It's more about like. 
not using personnel correctly, you know, not getting creative on, on offense. It's more about just the, the whole problem. It kind of encapsulates like all the problems that we may have with Chip Kelly right now. Yeah, that was that was exactly what I was trying to get at. I, I think that play was endemic of the issues that we have with Chip and this offense right now. And again, also to reiterate, we're fine with him going for it. We like that he went for it in that spot against a better team. You know, what do you got to lose? I love that. I didn't want him to kick the field goal. And I've heard a lot of people say this week in hindsight, or at least the last couple of days, oh, should have taken the points. I don't care about that. It's not that part of the decision that, that upsets me. It's the all the other stuff that went into it. But you know what? Let's let's put this one in the rearview mirror, Brandon. Let's let's move on from from another forty point shellacking, uh forty points allowed shellacking and uh and let's lose on to uh a game that you know, the cut the season comes down to this one, quite literally. Uh, you know, the NFC East on the line. If if Washington wins, the division is officially over. Washington will clinch. The Eagles uh will not clinch most likely if they win, but um they're they're there, you know. Then they go into New York and they have their destiny in their hands as they do now. Brandon, you know, based on what we've seen, seeing how good Washington played, obviously not as good a team on the road, but you know, where is your head at heading into this game? And where let, let's start with the offense. What does the offense have to do to put up a better showing than they did last time in Washington? Man, well, it, it's funny because that was probably Bradford's first best game of the year, right? I mean, yeah, the two had, deep passes. Everyone was losing their yeah, mind. He finally started throwing deep. Uh, so, you know, maybe there's something there where he's primed to have success. I think, you know, a big part of that, though, was that Chris Culliver was just playing like and he was playing with a very obvious injury and I mean he was playing so hard that he allowed uh, Miles Austin <laughs> to, <laughs> to catch a deep pass I mean uh, that's, yeah. that's not one for the highlight reel no 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 so you know there's I don't know if they're going to be able to replicate that success but uh you know this Washington de- defense they're not awesome I mean they it's the Eagles you know this isn't this isn't a game where I feel like you know, they can be totally shut down, but you know, still, I mean, you, you look at the turnover issue recently. Uh, the drops are still an issue. It's it, you know, it's still hard to feel great about this offense. Yeah, look, I I don't think you could feel good about this offense. You no. know, there are certain things. Obviously, uh, you know, I think we're all pretty happy with where Bradford is right now, with the way he's looked, the way he's progressing, and really starting to look better. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, you know, Matthews Jordan obviously had a had a nice game, uh, minus the celebration when oh. you're down by twenty. Um, but look, this is an opportunity where Washington's playing good football, but this is not a very good defense. They should be able to make some things happen in the running game, especially Washington allowing four point nine yards per carry. I mean, that's insane, Brandon. I mean, that tells me you should be able to run the ball effectively consistently all game long uh how do you see that playing out i mean this running game has been disappointing especially last week coming off of a nice showing against new england when it was sproles and barner really carrying the load uh, you know a do you see them having success and b do you see them maybe going back to the to the lighter guys i mean what can they do to kind of get this run game going here Oh, I've been saying it for the past couple of weeks now. I mean, like, why aren't they getting Kenyon Barner the ball? I'm not yeah. saying he was lighting he was defenses active. up, but he was productive. I mean, he was averaging over four point yards 
per carry, which is a lot yeah. for Eagles running backs. And uh, like Matthews had a good average in the Cardinal scheme. He was, I think, at something like five point six or something. I mean, he was yeah, he was five point nine or something. Even yeah. he was moving the ball well. But you know, part of the problem is you know if you're playing from behind, yeah. it's going to be harder to run. Uh, you know, and then with Matthews, the fumble issues are always just a thing with him, and so it's getting hurt. That's part of the reason why he's on the market. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why San Diego didn't keep him. So as much as and that was you know, a bad fumble too. That was oh, a really it, bad. It was fumble. just like it's like <laughs> it's yeah. like he almost barely got touched, and he just like coughs it up. And it just pops uh, out. It was like, come on, man. And that's him, though. But that's him. I mean, for as, as talented as he is, and why he was a first round pick and everything, he fumbles and he gets hurt. So. He's really not an ideal, you know, feature back that you can rely on, and so you so you should get that rotation going. I guess you know Murray isn't doing anything, so I mean, why even keep Murray active? Really, that's <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, that, that that's the real question. Like, why is he taking up a roster spot? Why is he there? Yeah. If you're gonna give him two touch two touches, and yeah. I, and again, I love that Chip said, "All right, you're not good enough. You're not my starter." I, I think that's mm-hmm. I love it. It's one of my favorite things in a season with not many favorite decisions or, or moves, so to speak. But, you know, having said that, that doesn't mean that you you go completely the other way with it. It's, it just seems like Chip is so stubborn with whatever decision he makes. He can never – he's almost like the fan base where we, we talked about that <laughs> divide between we're either a Chip guy or you're not. It seems like Chips makes a decision and then that's it. And he doesn't have much wiggle room or flexibility there. Why Why do you think he's been so strange with this whole thing? And, and do you think part of it was Murray, that Murray came out and, and basically talked shit on him? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that, <laughs> that did not sit well. I mean, it was, it was just such a weird thing, you know, because there's a conversation between two people, you know, Murray and Larry, and somehow that gets leaked. I mean, a lot of people are going to assume, you know, it had to be one of those two people, and it probably wasn't Jeffrey Larry. So, so it's kind of a weird, you know, situation there. And you know, I'm sure Chip didn't like that at all. I'm sure. I mean, that's not what he's about. I mean, you know, we talk about Chip Kelly's emphasis on culture all the time, and and the way Demarco has behaved, it just doesn't seem like he fits that. And that's that's why this. The signing is even that more perplexing because it's not even like you just signed a good guy, or I don't want to say he's a bad guy, but you know a, a guy necessarily a Chip Kelly culture guy for forty million, and he he just is bad. It's like no, it's like he doesn't even seem to fit from that perspective, and he's also bad on the field. So it, it's just really weird. And man, I have no idea what's going to happen beyond this year because I, you know, we we talk about the guaranteed money and how it's probably. You know, hard to cut him, but it just how do you bring him back? I don't know, Brandon, and I also don't know how you cut him. I don't know how you trade him for a six rounder. I like, I don't know what the out is here. Uh, I it's it's really a perplexing situation. I don't ever remember a first year player with this kind of contract in this kind of situation going this bad this quickly. You know, I I don't ever remember. It just being like, all right, this guy can't be a part of this team. It's 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 mind blowing, and it, and it's really disappointing, and it and it's an indictment right now of Chip, the GM, and Chip, the the uh, person whose ability to deal with personalities and and different people and and mesh all that together. It's it's certainly not what you want to he- uh, be seeing with Chip right now, but. But let's put that aside, Brandon. We we have to, we can't think about next year because uh, somehow, some way, some beyond some weird 
cosmic joke. The Eagles are still alive right now. Uh, and let's flip to the other side of the ball where the Eagles face, and um, I don't know if it's possible in a, in a podcast where we're talking about the 6-8 and eight Eagles facing the 7-7 seven and seven Washington football team uh, for the division title, essentially. Uh, I don't think it would be possible to say anything weirder than that or more unexpected than that, but I'm going to, Brandon. Because your NFL leader in completion percentage among quarterbacks who have thrown the ball more than 60 times, yeah, it's you like that, Kirk Cousins. Brandon, what the hell is going on? Where did Kirk's superstar cousins come from? All this guy does is make great decisions, go out and throw touchdowns, and win games. What is happening, Brandon? What is it that has made Kirk Cousins so much more successful this season than he's been at any other point in his career so far? That is a great question, James. <laughs> it's insane, I don't know. Right? Like, I don't. I don't have an answer for you. I always, you know, I always. I watched a lot of MSU games because I have a friend who is a big Michigan State fan. So, kind of watch with him. I'm not a huge college football guy myself. I don't have a team, so I kind of just you know watch whatever. And you know, I liked Kirk. I liked Kirk at MSU. Mm, um, I did too. And I'm again, I'm not a huge college football guy, so I don't watch it like a lot. So for me to you know like, watch a guy kind of. Kind of mean something here because like it kind of catches my eye. Sure. And but I I never saw him. You know I I didn't think he was ever going to be this good. I mean I, I still think you know he's more of a backup. And look you know for as good as we're talking about Washington or him being on Washington, they're still seven and seven. You know this isn't like you know this isn't some kind of dominant team with him at, at the helm at quarterback. So I, it's a really good question. He always seems to tear up the Eagles' defense either way, yeah. so I guess it doesn't even matter <laughs> how he's playing on the season. Um, it's just weird, man. It, it, it is weird. I mean, it's insane. We look at these numbers. I mean, he's going to end up with over 4,000 yards passing. He's at 3,625 yards passing with two games to go. Uh, 22 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Again, the 69.7% completion rate is the, the best in the league. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, it's a really... It's wild. But, <laughs> it's wild. And and but, look, again, we talked about I think it's a, one of the main reasons why Washington's in first place right now. Cautionary tale of Nick Foles here. I mean, yes. you know, sometimes we see guys have good That's years. That's where I was going to go. And I, like and I haven't watched Cousins enough to say, you know, he's, he's getting some of that same luck as the Red, or the Eagles got when with Nick Foles, you know, just the offensive line being healthy. And then some of these throws, like some of the Foles throws, like, you know, sure. should have been interceptions and they're just drops or whatever. And, so I don't know, but I'm just saying, you know, you know, one year quarterback success, it could be a flash in the pan. I don't know. This could be a mistake, you know, if Washington tries to extend him long term. Maybe not. Maybe not. But it, it it's just so weird how he's been sitting on the bench all this time. You know, imagine if imagine if Washington had been playing him these past couple of years instead of just, you know, not really giving him too much of a shot. Yeah, and yet they also had the rookie of the year two years ago playing quarterback yep. and a guy who was the number two pick in the draft and won the Heisman as all the talent in the world. Uh, so, you know, it's really a kind of a crazy thing to see Cousins playing so well right now and obviously RG3 most likely gone from there at the end of the season, you would think. I don't really know why they're keeping around other than to punish him or something. <laughs> it's obviously a very awkward, contentious, cantankerous situation. Uh, but again, back to this game, Brandon, uh, before we get into actually making our picks and whatnot, um, what, what's really the key for you? And, and also real quick, uh, just before we get off the, the defense versus the offense, 
three major injuries on the defensive side of the ball in that Washington game. Benny Logan, obviously, prior to the game injured as well. But uh, Benny Logan, Eric Rowe, and of course, uh, Maxwell, all really iffy for Saturday night. How do you see these guys kind of... Uh, do you see them playing? Who do you think is more likely to play? And, and what's going to be the backup plan if they can't? Yeah, it's it's really not a great week <laughs> to be yeah. potentially missing both of your starting quarterbacks. It seems like Eric Rowe said he expects to play, but it's not up to him. I mean, he has yeah, to clear. Yeah, it's concussions. Could yep, go either has, way. You never has know. To, has to clear the concussion protocol. So, you know, maybe there's a chance he'll play. Uh, Maxwell, it seems like he's not going to play. He has the dreaded upper body injury. Um, <laughs> like he's a hockey player. Yeah, exactly. It's something with the shoulder or chest. I don't know. So I don't think he's going to be playing. That means you're probably, and I'm assuming Roe is out, although I think he might play. But in, in this, if, he, you're not, if you don't have Roe, then you're starting EJ Biggers on the outside, probably. You're starting Jalen Watkins on the outside. And I think those guys... Actually, to, like they for what they, they are, right. they relatively held their own, but obviously not really going to be the guys who inspire much confidence going up against Deshaun Jackson God. and Pierre Garcon. And I think Bill Davis, you've mentioned they might try to get Walter Thurman. That that was my thought. But then you know that's more Ed Reynolds, and you know he's I'm a big either. Ed Reynolds guy, but you know I think I think he's best off. In his nickel dime role instead of a full time safety role, especially at this point, so it's not it's not good. And then Benny Logan, I mean, there's a report from I think Derek Gunn that you know they might have to shut down Benny Logan for the rest of the season. And you know, you think about it, you know, Benny hasn't really made an impact play in a while, and I don't think that's just because he suddenly got bad. I think he's been hurt. He got added to the injury report, I believe, before, right before that Patriots game, and the Patriots didn't really run the ball a lot, so I guess we didn't notice it. But you know, these past couple of weeks. He hasn't been that same player, and I think he's. I think he's been hurt, and I think that's. And Benny's tough, so he's going to tough it out. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to sit out. But it's to the point where I think you know we look at how bad we talk about how bad the run defense has gotten recently. I think that's a big reason why is because Benny isn't there, and and that's big. No question about it. I mean, we've we've talked a lot both on this podcast and on the Fanatic about. How big Benny Logan fans we are and, and what a leap we thought he took, especially early in the season, how good he looks. So uh, certainly a shame, and he's certainly been hurt. He he, do, he hasn't looked like the same player really over uh, over the last five, four or five weeks. So um, it's too bad because he really is a crucial part of that run defense and, and defense in general. Uh, but I think the corners, I mean, who would have thought, uh, you know, uh, three weeks ago that this fan base would be pining for Eric Rowe? You know, I mean, seriously, we were ready to run him out of town as an all-time bust, and now it's like, please, Roe, we need you desperately. Um, funny how things can uh, turn like that. Um, but I, I think that's going to be a real issue myself, Brandon. I think that the way Cousins is playing, the way Deshaun has looked the last few weeks since he's been healthy and, and back in the game, it's... That's a worry, man. I think you almost chalk it up as as one fifty and a touchdown is like a, a floor for Deshaun going against these guys, you know. So, I think it's gonna be uh, I think it's gonna be a real issue trying to stop that passing game and trying to shut them down, especially if Logan's out and they can run the ball with any sort of consistency. They've been really bad this season running the ball. Alfred Morris had, had a, a forty eight yard run last week where he was kind of just busting out of of being you know. 
uh, a zombie or something or dead because he was literally invisible for the last five weeks prior to that. Uh, Matt Jones has been very, uh, you know, less than impressive. They don't, they don't have a lot of talent running the ball, so I think that you can really focus on stopping Cousins in the passing game, but if you're missing both your starting corners, it's just, it's really hard to recover from that in the NFL these days, but Brandon, having said that, you know, like, is there any other facet of this game or, or piece of this game that you want to mention before we jump into the picks? It's weird how bad Washington has been on the road. I mean, they've obviously they haven't been a good team, so that's Are they why. Like one and five on the road, or one and six, or two and twelve in their last fourteen road games. Wow. The only wins were there was like that three last, point win last week, right against Chicago, or two weeks ago. I mean, or yeah, that was a three point win, and they almost blew it. And going back to last year when Colt McCoy played, and that game I think went to overtime. So even the games that they've won have been close. They've been outscored four hundred and three to two sixty nine in that span. Wow. That's a you know that's a big that's gap insane. there. I don't know why there's they are that much worse on the road, especially because they seem to be like better, especially this year. Except for the the Cowboys game, they were they've been pretty good at home. So it is a weird split. I guess that's something to watch. Like I don't really know like how you quantify that. Like I don't, I don't know what makes that possible. I don't know why they've been losing on the road like that but maybe you know you look, look at something like that and you're at least like okay even though the, things aren't looking good for the eagles maybe they have a, a chance there because washington this isn't a good road team yeah i think that's something you try and hang your hat on if you're if you're looking for a bird's victory on uh, saturday night because uh, they have been significantly worse on the road, especially over the last two years, which is really surprising when you look at, at how they play, too, because it's not like uh, at least the last month and a half or so, they've been a pretty fundamentally sound football team, uh, which obviously is not necessarily similar to the Washington teams of recent past, but uh, they've been they've been sound, and they've played solid football, which makes... You know, the road struggle so surprising because you would think that that would be a result of mental errors or gaffes or whatever it is, but they just for some reason don't show up in the same way on the road, and that's something we're going to have to hope for. Unfortunately, it looks like this Eagles team doesn't necessarily show up at home always, so it could be a battle of those narratives there. Uh, all right, we'll make our pick to that game in a second, but right now it's time for the NFL picks. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell. And play some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. All right, Brandon, we're going to do a, uh, a abbreviated NFL picks here. And, of course, the Ring the Bell pick segment you can hear every Sunday as well on the Fanatic at 945. We do it during our 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. show, which Brandon Lee Gowton will be with us again this week. And I, I believe, Brandon, did you go 4-0 this past week on yes. the Fanatic? Yep, 4-0. Brandon Lee Gowton has turned into the Nostradamus of picking, and, and no one even knows or talks about it because he's a silent killer. But all this guy does is pick winners. It's, it's the most impressive thing I've seen this year. Uh, so listen to what he says here. We're going to do an abbreviated. We'll give you just one game here, and then we'll do another three on the Fanatic on Sunday. So tune in for that. But, Brandon, uh, since we're kind of, you know, uh, just a, a holiday short pod, we just want to give everyone a quick uh, reaction and, and preview here. We're just going to pick the one game. 
And let's go with uh, maybe the most compelling matchup and a really uh, strong week for football after we've had a few schedules with some ugly, 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 ugly lineups of games. Uh, it's nice to have uh, uh, some, some quality games on the schedule this week, but let's head to New York, Brandon, uh, a place where the Eagles will be next weekend, hopefully for a meaningful game, potentially for another uh, season-ending meaningless game, uh, but... Let's talk about those Patriots and the Jets. The Patriots just uh, clinched a bye, but still looking to clinch home field throughout the playoffs, facing a Jets team that is fighting for their playoff lives and could go 11-5 and and miss the playoffs. That would suck, Brandon. And, and the Eagles could be 7-9 and or 8-8 eight and eight and eight sitting in a playoff spot. So, uh, you know, I guess you can't feel too bad, right? Feel bad for those Jets fans who might have an 11-5 and team. Uh, all right, Brandon. So it's uh, uh, in New York, and yet the Patriots are coming in as three-point favorites. Jets have always played the Patriots tough. How do you see this game playing out? Who are you taking, Brandon? I'll take the Jets. I'll, I'll go against the, the, Patri- the mighty Patriots, I think. Uh, you know, uh, obviously, New England won earlier this season. They played better since getting Gronk back and, and all of that, but... I feel like the Jets are due to split this series. Uh, I, it might be, it might end up like you said, James. It might end up like where, you know, they they go eleven and five and they miss the playoffs anyway. But I think you know the Jets do win here, and and not only four and zero on the station last week, James, eleven and two in Sunday games and Monday Whoa! games. Oh, so, well, based on that, I'm going to do the smart thing and ring the bell. <laughs> Clearly implied that was not the smart thing to do. And in all honesty, I'm mostly ringing the bell because we're only doing one game. And we've got to have one ring the bell, right, Brandon? Yeah. Uh, but I actually was leaning Pats if, if for no other reason than the Jets just look so crappy against Dallas on Saturday night in that, that slob fest of a game. And I, I think that New England is, you know, they've come off two straight wins after the two straight losses beating up on Houston and in a terrible Tennessee team. Luckily, that Tennessee team basically gave them the chance to have a bye week because they didn't really have to show up too much to, to crush that team. I just think that, you know, there's animosity there. Belichick's going to come out, have his guys play hard. They want to lock up that home field advantage for the rest of the playoffs. So I will take the Pats to win by more than three. Uh, and, Brandon, that'll do it for the quickest ring the bell pick segment in history. And uh, let's move on to the Eagles game, Brandon. Uh, you know, You've picked against the Eagles the last few weeks. You looked right, or at least last week, and uh, looked right again. White hot with the picks. Uh, again, we've talked about this from multiple angles at Washington, a terrible road team. Uh, but, you know, just playing better football, more sound football than the Eagles. And again, of course, a, uh, a Saturday night contest in prime time on right. national television. Uh, as of now, the line is a even minus three in favor of the Eagles. Brandon, which way are you going? Before we even get to that, I have to bring up the stat. It's so weird. The Eagles are the only NFC East team. I saw this. This is a yes. great stat, by the way. To beat a team this season who currently has a winning record. And they did what twice. What is with that? The, the, Jets, the Jets and the, and the Pats. Pats. And How those are two that? good teams. Yeah, we just <laughs> talked about them, and they're, they're playing each other. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so, what are the odds of that? I saw that. And it's and it's funny because we always talk about those narratives of not meeting, not beating good teams. And we've... Yeah. Wash that on the podcast and on the radio show, but uh, that's that's pretty funny. That's pretty and wild. You, uh, and you know what makes there. it even crazier is that the Eagles probably won't win the division because I think yeah. Washington wins this week. 
I think, you know, this is one of those games, kind of like where it was last year, where it was just like so ugly and, you know, the Eagles were kind of in it, but you just you probably just knew they weren't going to win. And, I, you know, I think Deshaun, he's, you know, he's, he's especially with, even if the Eagles starting cornerbacks were playing, I'm sure he would have, you know, done something to, to make everyone cringe. But I think, you know, he's going to, he's going to have a, an especially big game if the Eagles cornerbacks aren't in there. You know, I just the defense was so bad last week, and I think they've kind of just fallen off again. I just don't have a lot of confidence in this Eagles team right now. I think they lose, and they they lose by I'm gonna say thirty to seventeen. Yeah, uh, this time I'm gonna do the smart thing and agree with you on this one. Uh, I I think it's too many injuries. I think even if you're just down one starting corner, that might be too much to overcome, especially if you include Benny, who looks like he's definitely going to be out, or if he's not, he's not going to be Benny Logan. Um, and then, look, I just don't I don't understand why the Eagles are favored right now. I know they're the home team, but Washington has been a, been a significantly better football team recently, at least in terms of consistency, in terms of looking at things on the field that you can count on from week to week, uh, which has really been the theme of this NFC East is that you can't count on anything from week to week, that you could see a team like the Eagles, for example, lose two straight games by a combined score of 90 to 31, then go beat the Patriots in New England. You could see the Giants come out and look like, you know, dog shit one week and then, you know, almost beat the the Panthers a couple weeks later. You know, it's it's uh it's a really strange division with four strange teams that I don't think any are very good. Uh so ultimately I think the fact that Washington has not been turning the ball over, has been playing smart football and really sound football, which is crazy when you think about where that team was last year compared to the rest of the division. I just think that they make less mistakes and they, and they take the game and and we are here eulogizing the uh, Eagles season on Sunday morning, eight to ten on the Fanatic, Brandon. Yeah, it could be it could be ugly, but as you said earlier in the show, James, uh, I do want to thank you, everyone listening, who follows us, reads the site, everything. You know, I really appreciate it. Have a merry Christmas, happy holidays. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and have a good week. Yes, have a good week, have a good holiday, whatever holiday you celebrate. Have a wonderful new year. If uh, I don't speak to you again, I'm sure I will. But even still, have a happy new year regardless. Uh, I'll wish you happy new year twice. How about that? And then, uh, again, um, you know, hopefully the Eagles find a way to to do something special Saturday night. Again, it, it, clearly Brandon and I are not super hopeful about it. But, again, what I just said a second ago still rings true. No matter what, the biggest thing that you can count on in the NFC is this season is that you can't count on anything. So, you know, I don't – who knows? There is certainly a chance the Eagles win on Saturday night, and there is certainly a chance they don't. I don't think anyone can really tell you for sure which way it's going to go but in this NFC East right now. So, again, uh, thank you to everybody uh, who listens, who – uh, response, reviews, all that stuff. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it and uh, have a happy, wonderful holiday. Brandon, uh, myself, and John Barchard will be on the Fanatic the day after Christmas, uh, or excuse me, the day after the game, two days after Christmas, Sunday morning, 8 to 10. We'll, we'll be reacting. We'll be uh, hopefully, potentially discussing a Giants game that matters. If not, we will be uh, eulogizing a, a strange, weird, 
uh, ultimately disappointing season if that's the case. But uh, one way or the other, we'll be there for you as we as we always do and always continue to will be there for you. Uh, so thank you again for listening to episode 137 of BGN Radio on BleedingGreenNation.com. And again, have a happy and safe holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. While the merry bells keep ringing, may your every wish come true. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. May the calendar.